0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to In My Heart, a podcast truly about all the things in my heart and finding our freedoms. I'm your host, Heather Thompson. I'm very, very excited to welcome my next guest to the show, Dr. Martin Singh. He lives and breathes microbiome health. He's all about integrative medicine and sharing it in his new book, Rescue Your Health. It's out now. Dr. Singh is an entrepreneur dedicated to guiding his clients and his readers toward optimal wellness every step of the way. He wants to help us stay on top of our health rather than underneath disease. Dr. Singh takes a very humanistic, holistic, integrative approach to health. He's an expert in gut health, anti-aging, and preventive medicines. He studied under pioneer Dr. Andrew Weil and his program for integrative health. Currently, Dr. Marvin Singh is the director of integrative gastroenterology at the Integrative Health Institute at UC Irvine, and he is in my heart. (laughs) Welcome, Dr. Singh. I'm so excited to have you.
1: Thank you for that wonderful introduction. I'm glad to be here.
0: Yeah. Well, we need you, man. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> well, you, um, really are a piece of my passion. I got into nutrition and understanding wellness through, uh, the trials and tribulations of my own son's health. And I learned that with a lot of the antibiotics and the, uh, steroids that were saving him, they were also destroying him and other parts, you know, where they were helping his liver and, and, and you know, they were destroying the kidney. So we, I, I had to look at the best. Bad- And how do I stack the odds in his favor? And I really started to learn about gut health. And I wanted to start with obviously your book, because it's really why I have you on, because I think it is a wonderful narrative for people who just don't get it. You made it simple. You made it easy for us to understand. And I love that. But I just want to back up a little bit because as a gastroenterologist and my focus became gut health, you really understand how it can serve us and act as a measurement for our overall health. Can you talk about gut health? And I mean, Socrates once said, disease starts and ends in the gut. So we've known it for a long time. Where did we go wrong and how do we get back on track?
1: Well, a lot of this has to do with the microbiome. Yeah, And when we talk about gut health or uh, imbalances in the gut, that's what we're talking about. So I guess to clarify that for a lot of people who may be listening and hearing about gut health for the first time, we're talking about the ecosystem of trillions of bacteria that live inside of our digestive tract. And also there are viruses and fungi as well. Some people think it's just only bacteria, but it's not. And when these things can get off balance, then we can have inflammation and disease can happen as a result of the inflammation. And, you know, our food sources and our food qualities over, over the hundreds of years have probably evolved and changed with the evolution of our species uh, and, you know, uh, industrialization. And it's more than just feeding a group of 10 people in a tribe. It's, it's about feeding hundreds of millions of people. You can't do that by the hunter-gatherer way. Can you imagine us going out in L.A. and going out and trying to find, find food mushrooms?
0: today? <laughs> well, you might be able to find mushrooms in L.A. <laughs> it
1: probably wouldn't be a pretty scene. So, So we developed techniques in order to help make more food faster for more people. As a result of that, you know, certain things may have been sacrificed, such as the quality of the food, you know, and in order to do uh, make a lot of food uh, faster, we, uh, you know, farming practices started using pesticides and herbicides and things like that, in order to preserve the plants so that they didn't get affected by, you know, bugs and, and uh, molds and things like that, that can interfere with the growth of the of the plants. And, As a result, uh, this may have impacted our microbiome over the years as well.
0: Right. And it's the commercial growth of the plants, also like the commercialization. And we've heard a lot about pesticides and a lot about propaganda and packaging. Hopefully, a lot of us are smart enough now to understand like the fat free, gluten free, you know, those are all just new classifications for big food to make a whole new revenue stream of incremental income off of people who are sick, people who want to lose weight, people who are looking for solutions. So marketers come after us. Don't you forget that, folks. But getting back to the basics is that plants and the way that they used to be grown, our body digested them. They were important for us the way we used to eat as hunter gatherers. Now with commercialism and convenience, our bodies don't quite know what to do with the things that we're eating, right? These foreign substances, these GMOs, high sugar content, you know, bread has sugar, salad dressing has sugar, everything has sugar and it doesn't need to.
1: It's the highly processed foods. The foods are being very processed in order to make these foods faster. And they're adding chemicals and preservatives and and emulsifiers and things like that to these foods. And then you think, well, I'll eat this food in order to make me full how much nutrition is actually in this food right. for my microbes. And that's that's really the big thing. It's almost like we're eating, yet at the same time, we're starving the microbes. Right. And you think you're full and you think you ate, but the microbes, they're telling a different story. Right. And so that's the important thing. And it's actually fun and interesting and exciting to see where this will go. But a lot of uh, people um, or small groups, I should say, of people are starting to farm again in that old way um, yes. so that these issues are not as much of an importance because remember we have a microbiome but the soil also has a microbiome right. right and and the plants have a microbiome right and so you know this is one way when you really think of it when you when you listen to you know people like deepak chopra who says that we are all Interconnected to each other and people Mm -hmm. sometimes say, I don't know what, what you're talking about, but this is exactly how life was designed. We are all interconnected to each other because our microbes are interacting with the microbiome of the soil and the microbiome of the plant because we eat those things.
0: Right. Totally. We're all just broken off from the one doc, right?
1: (laughs) We're just humans. The bacteria control
0: us. (laughs) (laughs) And that is is the human existence in a nutshell, right? right? Well, I want to get into your book because it really is a game changer for me in the world of medicine and well-being. And I've read a lot of books. I've read a lot of books on this subject. And I think there are an amazing literature out there. I liked yours so much for like the ABCs of what we're doing and where we, you know, what our bodies are made of and how we get there and how best to treat them. So some of the key conditions I just want to talk about that are associated with a gut imbalance. Now, you guys have heard me talk about apple cider vinegar and the ways that we can balance the gut when we're out of balance, but also the foods that we need to eat that are enriching to the microbiome that have the probiotics we need and the prebiotic fiber to feed those probiotics and keep them all enriched and healthy. And that sounds all really confusing, but I like to call them our ninjas. That are defending against our free radicals and the things that keep our bodies healthy. So, some of the key conditions associated with gut imbalance. So, think about these if, if any of these ring true to you. So, allergies, eczema, asthma, breathing conditions, Alzheimer's disease is linked to gut health, multiple sclerosis, and Parkinson's disease anxiety and depression. You ever guys get scared and you feel it right in your stomach. I know doc's going to talk to us about that. Why we feel our emotions in our belly. Autism has been linked to gut health, autoimmune conditions, cancers, celiac disease, chronic fatigue syndrome, heart disease, diabetes, metabolic syndromes, inflammatory bowel disease, inflammation in general, small intestine bacterial overgrowth. We call that and gut leaking, thyroid disease, hormone imbalance, Okay. You check in these boxes. I mean, I'm going to say simple. Does your hair look dull? Is your skin erupted? Do you have belly bloat? You can't get rid of Do You have weight that you can't get off. Are you feeling lethargic and tired? These are reasons why we have to check our gut health. Take it away, Doc. <laughs> so,
1: so indeed, Hippocrates may not have known exactly what he was talking about all those years ago, but he was totally spot on, right? All we're doing now is proving what he said many, many years ago. And I guess there's a reason why he's the father father of modern medicine. So Yes,
0: thank you for correcting Hippocrates. <laughs> I said Socrates. I'm sure oh. he said some great stuff too, though. He did. <laughs> <laughs>
1: When you're looking at root causes of these problems, all these uh, these conditions you just listed off, you know, the, the problem uh, with modern medicine is that we kind of think of people as being in different boxes. You have this symptom, this symptom, and this symptom. Looks like these things come together and it sounds like rheumatoid arthritis what's what we've described so therefore you have rheumatoid arthritis now slap that diagnosis on now that the diagnosis is slapped on what are all the medications that people have that developed in order to treat rheumatoid arthritis. Okay, which one can you try? Oh, it depends on really which one your insurance wants you to try in in this right. country, but that's a totally separate More topic. Or the
0: ones we tell our doctors we want because <laughs> pharmaceutical companies are advertising to us and they shouldn't be.
1: <laughs> so, you know, uh, these things uh, are the way that we're designed to think. But mm-hmm. who's asking the question of, OK, if I have what we're calling rheumatoid arthritis, remember, these diagnoses are, are made by humans. It's not like the heavens right. brought down and said, if you have these five things, you have rheumatoid arthritis. I mean, scientists and doctors have made these you know, medical books. And really what a diagnosis is, is just a, a, a condition where a constellation of symptoms fits a certain pattern. Right. If you fit that pattern, we say you have this condition.
0: Right. Let me stop you for just one second there, doc, because I think it's important not to interrupt you, but it talks a little bit to the medical training of doctors. You know what I mean? And what, what we're really, I just want people to understand this because we do need to be our own advocates when we're at our doctors, not necessarily telling them what we need in terms of pharmaceuticals, but being our own advocate. And what you said is a doctor's job. They're learning that a culmination of facts or symptoms will fall under certain categories potentially. Right. And then there's the human element to it that oftentimes is overlooked in medicine and in textbooks and how modern well hopefully that's changing now with eastern and western medicine mixing the culture but traditionally in western medicine and eastern medicine it was very different right so can you talk about how american doctors and in general i think a lot of doctors are really trained to treat the symptom and not prevent or not to find the cause can you talk a little bit about that
1: well, that's, that's kind of, you know, how the system is designed. You know, the, you know, another example is uh, having a heart attack, right? The system is not designed to prevent you from having a heart attack. The system is designed to treat you if you have a heart attack, right? It's a difference, but it's a fine difference and and, and make note of that because if if I gave you the choice and said, Hey, Heather, you're going to have a heart attack in one year. We're not going to give you any treatment or any advice until that time because we don't really know if it's going to happen or not. It's just we think because you have these various factors versus, hey, Heather, I did all these tests on you and it looks like you're a moderate risk for heart disease. You wouldn't think it because you're skinny and you're in shape and you exercise and you do yoga and all that stuff. But look, this is what the information shows about you. Now, these are the things that we can do to try to reverse some of these things that we find that are going on. It's a different picture, right? Because we're looking at reasons why the problem is there or going to be there. Not waiting until the problem is there and then trying to fix that.
0: Right, right. And both are important. But generally, we we go to the doctor when we don't feel good. So we're not looking. There are a lot of signs out there. Look for the signs. Our bodies, the human body is incredible. It tells us what's wrong. We know what we're doing wrong too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, a a lot of, some of this is on... medical field, but a lot of this is also on us as individuals to be advocates for our own health. Just because you feel well and you run a successful business and you have a nice yacht and you go on vacations does not mean you are healthy whatsoever. You could still drop dead tomorrow if you don't do things that are proactive for your health. Right. And so that's really the kind of the point of the book is to really open people's eyes and to help them understand that There are things that we can do as individuals to understand our personalized risks and modify those risks so that we don't become a diagnosis.
0: Exactly. Because there's kind of three ways we get sick at the end of the day, right? This is what I calculated is DNA. It's your heritage. You've got your predisposed for a condition like heart disease or something like that. It is the way that you treat your body. It's what you do to your body, what you're putting in your body, the things that you're not doing to stack the odds in your favor toward good health. And then there's environmental stressors, you know, the free radicals, the environmental stressors that come at us that will break down our our cells and damage us. Am I missing something? Those are kind of generally how the human body will other than aging, the natural life cycle.
1: The other the other important point of my book is also to help people understand that it is not just one thing, because sometimes people say, oh, well, it's in my genes. So, you know, uh, I'm going to do a gene test or, oh, it's in my microbiome. I'm just going to do a microbiome test or, oh, you know, maybe it's my mitochondrial function. That's one thing that we should mention, you know, and it's not. Because that, you know, our body is very simple in some regards, but our body is very complex in some regards as well. If you look at things from a, almost a philosophical standpoint, there are a lot of different parts that interact with each other. It's not just about your genes, it's looking at your genes, your environment, your microbiome, your mitochondrial health, your lifestyle factors, what you're doing, what you're choosing to do, like what you're saying, what you're putting in and on your body. All of these things you know, and more can impact our health and they can yes. impact their health in a variety and they matter
0: of ways. before we get to the doctor. You all know, right. they matter before we get to the doctor and then it's our jobs to tell them. That's why they ask us all the question. Do you have heart disease in your family? Do you have diabetes in your family? Cause then they're going to say, okay, your predisposition, but then naturally the doctor doesn't say, so now when you get in the room, let's talk about your diet. What are you going to eat today? You know, they don't talk about that. That's really left us to, uh, up to us to look at and the information out there of a uh, pre-existing condition or disposition to, so to speak, and then what you're doing. And you offer integrative solutions and real life scenarios. And I love that, that anyone can use to create positive changes that are going to rescue their health. So if you're reading the book, you might already know what you've checked off at the doctor's office based on your family's DNA. You can think to yourself like, what, how many bags of chips do I eat or Coca-Cola's do I drink, right? You know, we can mm-hmm. think about the things that we're doing wrong. And then Doctor gives us a really amazing, uh, focused, uh, easy to read. I have the book here. There's pictures in it. It's, and it's not a big, fat book either. I love the, 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 the weight of this book. I love everything about this book. I'm holding it up, you guys. And um, it's an easy-to-use roadmap. That's exactly what it is. And
1: it was intentional. You, I, it, did, it, it did it all that way on purpose.
0: Now, if we're talking about some self-care resolutions for 2023, you know, small actions with big impact, like eating more vegetables, a 15-minute meditation habit, or maybe finally not being the flaky friend by switching your shampoo. Yes, dealing with dandruff is a common struggle. In fact, one in five of your friends is flaky, but that just got a lot easier thanks to Way. And flake-free is the way to be in 2023 with Way's new anti-dandruff shampoo. Founded by celebrity hairstylist Jen Atkin, Way gives you the confidence to win life your way. That's why every product is designed for effortless routines that fit you personally. Way helps tame my unwanted frizz and flyaways and supports my hair from breakage and even tangles. It smooths it all away. And Way is safe for all hair types, and now Way's new anti dandruff shampoo keeps flakiness at bay. Do more than drugstore with gentle shampoo that takes the rough out of dandruff. Formulated with their Cape Town fragrance, with notes of ginger and spearmint, your hair will smell as good as it feels. And salicylic acid that gently soothes that itchy, irritated scalp while keeping your hair clean and soft. So do more than drugstore with the new anti-dandruff shampoo from Whey. Go to the way.com that's T-H-E-O-U-A.com and use the code in my heart for 15% off your entire purchase. That's T-H-E-O-U-A.com code in my heart. Now back to my show. So the three things that people have to understand in terms of gut health and, and why, what we should look for.
1: So you want to know about mitochondria is actually an interesting story. What are mitochondria? Yeah, Mitochondria are ancient bacteria. So, and they're part of our cells. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's so
0: cool. Yeah.
1: This, this is probably so a cool. kind of conversation to have with somebody like Deepak Chopra or something. Yeah, like how, how this actually I will,
0: happens. by the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> how this actually happened. But these ancient bacteria, I guess you know, um, uh, got smart and said, hey, what's a, what's the best way for us to survive where we don't have to do that much work? Um, and they integrated into the cell and they provide energy for the cell or power for the cell. And in return, the cell feeds the mitochondria with, uh, you know, whatever your, you know, nutrition and eating and, and everything else. And so this then became the, Power source for our bodies because each you know we're made up of many many cells. Each organ has many many cells, and so if the mitochondria are not doing well, what would be the logical thing to assume that the cell is not doing well, and this and then the organ is not doing well, and so understanding your mitochondrial health, your the health of the mitochondria is also an important key component because that is a reflection of the health of all the cells in your body in, in in a sense. And so I include that as part of the, you know, testing regimen that I do when people come see me and then, you know, we have personalized recommendations for them based on what the, what the outcome is.
0: Can you just talk a little bit about the testing? And I mean, definitely, you guys, you have to get the book. You have to, because your health depends on it. And I think the future of the, the country depends on it. The world depends on it. People have to start taking care of themselves because we are being riddled with disease that we can prevent. We are being riddled with uh, family heritage that we can reverse, right? So, I mean, listen, we're gonna get sick. It's gonna happen, you know, but you can stack the odds in your favor. So talk about some of the things because you do have to be your own advocate. And that's why these tools are here. You can ask your doctor. And sometimes they may say, Oh, that's a great idea. You know, we got to be a team, right? You don't get to expect right. them to have all the answers all the time. They're human beings. So what should they ask if people are not feeling good and they're like, I'm not sure what's wrong with me. Or I just know I need to go get a checkup. We just came out of the pandemic. I'm sure a lot of people haven't been to their healthcare providers in a minute. Give them the four one one on the one Oh one.
1: Well, I think, you know, part of the point of the book is to uh, help people understand that they can be an advocate for their own health. And so, you know, remember, like you said, the, the doctors are humans uh, as well. You know, that they're, they're, we're not some elite form of a human being that, you know, that uh, can sense and know th- all things at all times. And so, you know, I think part of this is, is the the art of the interacting with your provider too? If you go to your doctor, you know it's it's important to uh, you know learn, I guess, the art of conversation between. The doctor and the patient, and it goes both ways. Remember, we're both human beings, right. and you know the doctor may not necessarily know about all these different kinds of tests that are available. A lot of these things I talk about are are new technologies, new tests, and things like that that people may not even know about. Like that things right. that I may have just learned about myself, and I'm in. Right. It's all about the art of conversation. Even though you're the patient, it's still important because we're both humans, right? So you could bring up the topic about, you know, genetics, nutritional genetics, or what if I checked my omega-3 levels, um, you know, and even provide some information on uh, companies that may be able to do certain kinds of tests. It's the art of conversation as opposed to if you go up to the doctor and say, hey, look, you didn't do this, this or this. Why can't I do this, this or this? What do you think the person didn't forget the person's even a doctor, the person is a human being, and you just berated them. So what are they going to do in response, they're going to say, Oh, this doesn't make any sense. This is there's no science behind this. And this dismiss it, because you have just attacked that person. That's right. And and they have to feel that they have to put up a defense in order to make themselves still look like the doctor. And so really, just remember that we're all humans at the end of the day. And kindness and compassion is what's going to get you anywhere in life, no matter what you're talking about. And there's There's a way of bringing these topics up. And even if that doctor, Isn't really into doing those kinds of tests because they don't understand how to interpret them. Perhaps you can ask for a referral. Hey, do you know somebody who can do this kind of stuff? Do you know somebody that you can work with? Or hey, I found this person. What do you think about them? Because you're my family doctor and I respect your opinion. I've been with you for 20 years. You've been taking care of me, delivered my babies, did this and this. What do you think about this person? Do Do you think that I should see them because I have questions about my genetics? There's a way to do that. And the point of this book is to open that conversation with you as an individual and us as, as a human species.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh I love that you said that because, you know, it is a relationship and, you know, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea and everybody's not going to be my cup of tea. That's what makes the world go round, right? You know, we meet different people, we connect with them. If you don't have a connection with your doctor, that's not, it's okay. You can find another one. You can talk to them. For example, you might also not have the the same belief systems. When Jax was young, I was seeing a dermatologist and I started to really research food. And my son was suffering from inflammation. He had psoriasis on his fingernails, on his fingernails and toenails. Very rare case. I found the best doctor at Mount Sinai. I love him. He was able to diagnose it and figure it out. But what I had in common with the new doctor, which I didn't have in common with the uh, doctor that I left him for, was we both, the new doctor and I both believe in the power of food. The other doctor is like, yeah, there's not really a lot of studies around that. Like, it's not about the food he's eating. It's really about this and this and this. And I respected the other doctor's opinion. He had a practice. He had been very successful. That is his way of life. It's his life. It's his practice. He should live it like he wants to. It wasn't right for me. It wasn't right for what my belief system was and the encouragement or the information or the shared relationship I wanted to have with my doctor. And so I went and I sought, I sought that out and I found it.
1: Different people specialize in different things. I mean, the the human body has so many different facets to it. I certainly will never uh, pretend to be a neurosurgeon or, (laughs) you know, an endocrinologist. I mean, if you have a problem, then we need to see people whose life is immersed in that one problem. That's right. That's right. That's how you become an expert in that field. And mm-hmm. you know, and just people like
0: who it. have diabetes or people who have a disease like that, you also need to become an expert in that field. Just don't take a diagnosis and go home with it. Research it. We have the beauty of the World Wide Web. You know, it causes a lot of problems, but it also is an amazing tool. So we have to also be our own advocates and not just be stand idly by when we're fighting disease. You can reverse it. I've had friends of mine or even people that I've worked with that um, were diagnosed with diabetes and have reversed it. So because they were drinking seven liters of Coke a day and you know what I mean, not eating properly. So you have a quote that I love. Uh, It says the purpose of a truly comprehensive integrative health program is to compassionately help individuals feel well, obtain their goals and take control of their lives. This for you is a fundamental principle in healing and a pathway to joy and happiness for the patient and the provider. Your quote gives me chills. I have goosebumps on my arms because when you read it that way, and when you slow down and take in every word that you wrote, it's beautiful. And it really is the human nature. It is what relationships should be together. Networking. You know what I mean? To figure it out. We got to figure it out together. Why should it be
1: anything different? You know,
0: why should it be anything different?
1: That's what healing is. Exactly. And and you know what that does, though? You know what that statement does? It takes medicine at what medicine is. And then it acknowledges that you're not doing medicine to a subject, you're doing medicine to a human being, somebody who has a life, who has feelings, emotions, a background, an environment that they live in. It's taking that into account. And that's the part that often gets missed.
0: I want to talk about your immune system in your microbiome, just because Mm. we're coming out of this. And I just want people to know when I would watch people in the during the pandemic, I would be in a, you know, bodega with the mask on and I would see people with arms of soda. And I'm like, no, this is not the time. Like we have to take care of our gut health because that is ultimately is where our immune system lives. Can you just tell people, implore them that their immune system is such an important system? and that we are in control of it in so many ways.
1: Yeah, you know, we're talking about gut health and the microbiome, but the one thing you're right that we didn't mention is that 70% of your immune system is in the gut. Mm -hmm. Microbiome modulates or impacts how this works. You know, there are a lot of things that can impact your microbiome. We've talked about stress, we've talked about chemicals, but one of the most obvious is food, right? We talked about food, but- the microbes are eating that food and the microbes will react to that food because to them, that's part of their environment. Also, if you're feeding them things that are not good, things that are full of sugars and chemicals and things like that, that's going to impact the quality of your microbiome. And if the quality of your microbiome is affected, your immune system will be affected as well. And so one of the best things that we can do is to try to protect our microbiome so that we can protect our immune system. It is very key uh, component to being healthy and well overall.
0: Our emotions are drivers to a lot of the things that happen, the chaos, you know, or the calmness that happens within our bodies. Can you talk about how our emotions are connected to our guts and how we have to look at stressors in our life as warriors that we need to fight against, so to speak, bad guys?
1: Yeah, you know, um, we have a nerve called the vagus nerve, and it comes from our nervous system. And it goes to a lot of the organs in our body. And the digestive tract is one of them in particular. So this is the brain gut connection and the brain and the gut are connected to each other by this vagus nerve. And interestingly enough, the digestive system has its own nervous system. I don't know if a lot of people know that or not, but I we have our brain and the spinal cord, but there are actually more nerves on our guts than there are in the spinal cord itself. Wow. Think about that for a second. And then understand that the brain and the gut are connected to each other through this super highway. We call it the vagus nerve. And then you can imagine that, okay, well, there's the ability for signals and communication from one place to get to the other. Because we know that there are two hubs and we know there's a connection. It's just simple mechanics, right? Like I said, the body is very complicated. Yet at the same time, So simply designed, it's not, it's not really rocket science. Two parts, a bridge in between, right? <laughs> the gut communicates with the brain and the brain communicates with the gut. It's a bi-directional superhighway through a variety of different means, through maybe different kinds of immune cells, maybe through different chemicals, maybe through different products that are produced by either the brain or, or the gut, um, neurotransmitters, for example. And these are a way of talking to each other. So if you wonder why you know, when you get really angry, your stomach starts hurting. Yeah. Or well, maybe there's a connection there. And, right. you know, there's some really fascinating studies that have been done showing that when you're under stress, when you're, when you have a stress, that stress releases these chemicals in your gut, like epinephrine and things like that, that we know of that are part mm-hmm. of the stress response. And these chemicals, when they're released in your gut are, quorum sensing chemicals so they they say basically hey all the bacteria let's come and talk and at that at that point at that moment in in medical terms we say path, non pathogenic organisms can become pathogenic so that basically means that the bad guys will talk to the good guys and say hey you want to be like me i'm cool and they say sure why not come over to my now, side now you had somebody who wasn't causing a problem who could be causing a problem Isn't that fascinating? Just by the power of what's going on inside
0: totally fascinating. I almost want to like take a second. Like I always talk about the brain being a muscle and we have to practice that muscle and we have to train that muscle to think positive thoughts versus negative thoughts. Like doctor just told us right there. The connection is 100% true. I mean, think about someone not to bring up, you know, what we are with a doctor, like someone who, when you get nervous, you go, you have to get diarrhea. You get the runs right away. I mean, that's a physical reaction right away. Or you shake, right?
1: Or how about when you eat something that just brings you a sense of euphoria, you know, and, and just really brings you back home to maybe an old memory, maybe mm-hmm. when grandma was in the in the kitchen, you know, you remember something, you, it's like you get a flashback, you may not see the vision in your head, but your, your body, your brain saw that flashback. Right. And all of a sudden, you're so happy for that moment while you're eating that food. That's the reverse, right? So your gut broke down these chemicals and those chemical signals go to your brain. And as a result, you have this elevation in your mood.
0: Right. Exactly. So our food can absolutely affect our mood. That's when we're sad or cold or tired. We seek out the comfort foods of home. Like I always go for Italian because that's what we had at my house. And so, and those are good foods. You can have food. It's we're not here to restrict you. We want you to understand the choices that you make and crowding out bad choices for better choices because you, you don't want your bad bacteria getting turned, turning over your good bacteria.
1: (laughs) Eating is a multi dimensional experience, so think of it like that it's not just you eat, you put food in your mouth and then you poop, and that's it it's right. a multi dimensional experience and I can give you if you have a few seconds a yes. little bit of, of an of an example that i that I made up let's say you're five years old and you're driving your bike on the road and then you fall down and you scrape your knee and you, it's bleeding it hurts you're crying you're upset. Mom comes out, rushes to help you, patches you all up, and gives you. A Hershey's chocolate bar to yes. calm you down. Yep. So what happened there? You like it, obviously. Which yeah. kid? What kid doesn't like a burst of sugar? You know, especially when you're hurt. Many adults do, and and this yeah. may be the reason. It's like an app got downloaded into your brain's memory bank, and what happens is that just is this is just a very very simplistic way of looking at it, so um so that people can understand, is that your brain says, "Oh, unhappy, crying, pain." That went away with Hershey's chocolate bar. Problem solved. Remember that. So now fast forward and you're 25 years old and you just went through a major breakup. You were engaged and you found out something and you you broke up and called the whole thing off. Now you're upset. You're in the grocery store. You're picking up your groceries because you still got to live, right? You got to get your groceries for the week. And you just walk by that candy aisle. Something tells you, pick up that Hershey's bar. You haven't had one in ages, but something tells you, pick up that Hershey's bar. What do you think that something is? Where does craving come from? That app in your brain that was buried says, hey, you're upset, you're hurt. You may not be have a scraped knee like before, but these symptoms that you're having, these emotions you're having, feel to me as the brain, similar to when you fell down as a kid. And you know what? I remember what solved that problem was this Hershey's bar. So I'm going to make you crave that Hershey's bar and you're going to get it. And you know what? You're going to feel a little bit better. And you go and you grab that. You don't know why the heck you grabbed it. Something compelled you. How many times have anybody experienced that? I don't know why I got it, but I just, I got it. And then you eat it in the car ride on the way back home. And for a moment, Even if for an instant you get that burst of euphoria, you get that feeling of calmness, that dopamine surge from eating that Hershey bar, what does that do? That reinforces that pathway Mm -hmm. that basically tells your brain, you were right. Even if it only worked for 10 minutes, you were right. So then that becomes even stronger. So next time that happens, you want to do that again. Why do people say, oh, when I'm upset, I go through a breakup, I, I eat a whole tub of ice cream. same kind of concept, right? We don't really know or appreciate where that comes from, but this is part of the place where it comes from. So food and eating is a multidimensional experience. And so this is how the brain and the gut can be connected to each other. So if we want to break some of these habits, we have to acknowledge that this may be the case and then come up with interventions on what to do about it. You don't have to necessarily listen to the messages that your app is telling you to do you can reprogram that app. You can drink a green tea and go for a walk. You can get a smoothie at the grocery store. You can get a green juice at the the grocery store. You can replace that chocolate bar with something else that is more productive for you. But the key step for you to be able to do that is to acknowledge that Maybe this craving or this feeling is not coming from something that I need for myself nutritionally, but something that is there from ages ago. And maybe you don't even remember where the app was first created in your head. It doesn't really matter, but it's there nonetheless. Replace it with something else.
0: Idiosyncrasies never really go away. The ones that we have, I just, I like to line mine up as my children. You know, they're all right here. But what I do is I acknowledge them. That helps me start to understand them and therefore I can accept them. So that trigger for that chocolate, if it was a reward for you a lot as a child, using that as an example, it's going to be a hard one for you to unmemorize and unnetwork that channel. Right. But with work, you can. And knowing when you, when you fall into it and taking the bite of the chocolate bar and doing it with passion, because you're like, I got you and I want you,
1: <laughs> not at you least got our- me or at least don't get Hershey's. There are so many options. You can get an organic dark chocolate. (laughs) Thank
0: you, Doc. You
1: you can do something different. Now, hopefully the Hershey's people don't come after me, but there there are options. They have dark chocolate.
0: Hershey has a They're actually organic
1: now. They make an organic. They have
0: organic. (laughs) They've done some good things for students and teaching in schools down there in Pennsylvania, but brands do have to evolve, and it's true, and they should because when we're advertising to consumers and we're the sheep and the goats, syndrome. You know, we're talking to people that just want an answer and want an easy way and follow what they're told. They have a responsibility to offer choices. So that is what I felt like was a lot was missing and that's starting to come. And the more we vote with our dollars for the dark chocolate, small batch, the more those companies are going to grow and we're going to start to move away from a lot of the big industry that has developed over several centuries in this country. I hope to see in my children's generation, you know, they don't have the tolerance that we had, you know what I mean? Like for so many things, like our food, you know, women's rights, you know, race, all of this stuff is, you know, burgeoning on change. And I think that that's important. So we can make change, we can be change, and we can do better for ourselves each day by advocating for ourselves, reading up about the things that we're diagnosed with, having relationships with our doctors, not holding them on a pedestal, but holding them close and dear. And what else, Doc, other than finding our freedoms, because I'm going to ask you that beside me making people feel good and be good and be better and understand themselves how do you find your freedom outside of helping us all
1: me personally
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> um
1: well you know uh, it, life and health is all about balance and you find your own freedom when you are balanced and that means that you don't work too hard, but when you're working, you work well, and it also means that you, you relax and you take time for yourself, but not too much of that either, otherwise you won't be able to accomplish anything. So it's all about balance, you know, and, you know, the Dalai Lama says the purpose of our life is to be happy, and that's really what this is all about. It's not about pushing one direction or another or about telling you about this one diet style or another, or or you should follow my four-week plan or another. I I don't believe in those kind of things. I only believe in you. I believe in me. I believe in each person as an individual. And really, if you ask anybody, that's all they really believe in. Because at the end of the day, you don't really care what what uh, somebody with 100,000 followers is talking about on their blog, unless it helps you. You don't right. care about the other people. You care about you. Mm-hmm. So how do you want to know about you? How do you want to know what's best for you? Well, be an advocate for yourself and understand what are the things that your body needs and wants and is desiring. And that's so what I beautiful. do for myself.
0: I <laughs> love that. I love that. The balance is so important. I am so excited to uh, share this book, Rescue Your Health, Dr. Marvin Singh, incredible. Dr. Singh, for those people that don't follow you already, and you better get on that wagon because there's (laughs) a lot he's got to tell you, where can our guests find you?
1: Um, On social media, I'm at Dr. Marvin Singh, and the book has a website, rescueyourhealth.com. My other website is precisionclinic.com.
0: PrecisionClinic.com, And that's what go to that too. Cause that's one-on-one care. I'm going to have to have you back. We're going to keep educating people together, doc. Thank you so much for the work that you do and leaning into community and health and love and passion and all of that, making it a part of our existence and our happy existence, which really does include our health. Well, I just thank, thank you. you so much to my guest, Dr. Singh. This is in my heart and I'm your host, Heather Thompson. Don't forget to subscribe and download wherever you stream your podcast. We're going to be there. Next week, we got a new episode. Don't you miss it.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey,
0: the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker
1: as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s.